Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in John chapter 4 this morning. We're going to continue our study through the Gospel of John and we're going to pick up in chapter 4. As Jeremy and I were talking about this, this is a chapter that that we're very familiar with and I imagine the story that we're going to talk about this morning is one that many of you are going to be familiar with as well. I think it's one that every preacher is required to preach at least one or two sermons from at some point. And um, it's just a, it's a very rich chapter with a lot in it. And so it may feel at times as if we're going to go fairly quickly through this because if we have any chance of getting through all of John chapter 4, we're probably going to have to move kind of quickly. But we'll do our best to, to dive into this. So Jeremy, as, as we get into this, we talked about last week in John chapter 3, we talked about kind of the, the personal conversations that John records for us as Jesus interacts with people one-on-one. And this is another instance where that takes place. And in this situation, perhaps even a, a more unlikely uh, occurrence, as now he's going to talk to a, a Samaritan woman about the kingdom of heaven and about the gospel. And so as we kind of see these two chapters back to back and we see these two interactions that Jesus has with these people, as you get into chapter 4, what are maybe some of the, the, the initial takeaways from just that fact alone that, that John is recording these very intimate, very personal conversations between these two somewhat unlikely people? Yeah, we, as we may mention last week, I mean, you, you study through the life of Jesus and sometimes we put into our mind you know, the idea that there's hundreds and thousands of people, you know, following Jesus around and, you know, all the time he's having these opportunities to, you know, to teach and to speak to these enormous crowds of people. And he certainly had that. I mean, you read certainly Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they they paint that picture. John will, you know, paint that picture. He's going to talk in, you know, in a few chapters in John chapter 6 where mm-hmm. Jesus is there with thousands of people and feeds those 5,000, you know, people. So, I mean, he's going to talk about those as well. But yet he also gives us the picture that we had in last week, John 3 with Nicodemus, and now this week in John chapter 4 with this woman at the well, these intimate one-on-one conversations. And we made mention last week, by way of application, a lot of ways, these are really good for us because, mm-hmm. you know, how often are we going to have those opportunities to speak in front of hundreds or thousands of people? Probably not very often, if ever, but yet the one-on-one opportunities we're going to have. And so there's a lot of similarities between John 3 and John 4, and we'll talk about some of those, I'm sure. But, you know, one of the interesting differences, I think, is if you remember back from John 3, if you were listening last week, it was Nicodemus who sought after Jesus. Mm -hmm. He, He comes to Jesus by night. He seeks Jesus. He has questions for Jesus. But here in in John chapter 4, not necessarily that Jesus is searching out the Samaritan woman, but he's almost the one that initiates things. Yeah. He sees her. He sits down by her. He is on a journey. They're passing through. But this is not her seeking him. Mm-hmm. He's the one that sits down and kind of initiates things. But yet, just like with Nicodemus, the incredible impact that we see that conversation have on his life as it unfolds, and we see him pop up again at the end of the story of Jesus, Again, in this chapter, we see the impact that a conversation can have. But here, not just on this woman, but now on the entirety of her community, yeah. Yeah. just because of this one conversation that she, that, he, that she has with him and the impact certainly that it has on her, but then the fingers of that 
and the impact that it has on however many, we don't know how many people, many people believed, you know, John tells us here, simply because Jesus takes the time Mm -hmm. to sit and have a conversation with this woman. Was it the most convenient thing to do? Well, I mean, he's on a journey, he's passing through, but he takes the time to have this conversation, just like he took the time to have the conversation with Nicodemus, and it has a profound impact on her and on the entirety of her community. And and again, one of the similarities that we're going to see in this conversation and the one that Jesus had with Nicodemus is the contrast that Jesus draws between the physical and the spiritual. And again, that's going to be something that we see him continuing to do and and other writers in the New Testament continuing to do. They're going to continue to, to try and help people recognize the difference between the physical and the spiritual and what our perspective on things should be. And I think it's interesting that Jesus really, the way he begins this conversation, the way that he kind of opens the door to a conversation with this woman is on a very non-spiritual, right. physical mm-hmm. request right. or basis. He's thirsty. He needs right. something to drink. Right. And, and I think that is such a, an interesting way. Again, you know, we talked about how Jesus kind of began the conversation with Nicodemus and how he begins this conversation here with this woman is fascinating to me because I think what he's doing here is this woman, a Samaritan woman and Jesus, have nothing in common. But he can find common ground in the fact that they're both at a well looking for water. Right. And that, that's all he's got. That's all he's got to work with. But that's what he's going to use. And, and I think there's, there's, there's such, such wisdom to be seen in that where Jesus recognizes if he can find some common ground, no matter how small it may be, no matter how insignificant it may be, if he can find some common ground with someone, he's going to use that as a springboard to a much deeper, more important conversation. And that's exactly what he's doing here with this woman. Someone that he, he seemingly on the surface has nothing in common with at all. He's able to find just a sliver of common ground in the fact we're both at this well, which means we both want some water. And so let's start there. And then he, we can all, you know, we'll see where he takes the conversation from there. But that gives me such encouragement to think, you know, sometimes I come across people who I think, man, I don't have anything in common with these people. Yeah. Nothing. Well, do we live in the same community? You know, do we have kids? Is there, you know, where is the common ground? Because it's going to exist somewhere, no matter how small it may be, it's going to exist somewhere. And that gives me an opportunity to connect with someone and then hopefully use that as a springboard to, to talk about more important things. And we see Jesus here just taking an opportunity to do that. I mean, we, we talked last week with Nicodemus, too, that, you know, sometimes we, we'd love to have a spiritual conversation with somebody when it's on our terms, on in our mm-hmm. turf. You know, as we made mention before, you know, sometimes we'd like to say, listen, I'll set up a table, you know, at a convenient time for me. And if you want to talk about spiritual things, I'm ready and willing. But in, in those opportunities that are inconvenient or in those moments that maybe we're not looking for that, opportunities are there and we miss them. And so, again, we see a great example here of John 4, even in, you know, just the pieces of, of text that we don't spend a lot of time in thinking about. You made mention already in verse 7 that, you know, he comes to this water to, you know, it comes as well to get some water, and, and he sees that woman there, and he says, you know, give me a drink. And then you had there in verse 8, it's, I was reading it again this morning, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And so Jesus just has some time on his hands. I mean, he's just waiting. He's waiting for his disciples to go up to the city and buy food. And listen, he's not getting on his phone. Mm-hmm. He's not getting into his own little world. Yep. He's now open. His eyes are open. And he's look. is there an opportunity to have a conversation? And just that, I mean, you know, I was thinking this morning, 
for me personally, if that is the only thing I'm going to grab hold of from John 4 today, Mm -hmm. it's something that I need because we're so apt, even when we have a moment to ourselves or we have a moment just to to wait for something, how often are we waiting for something Mm -hmm. that, you know, technology, I made mention, you know, of, of the phone already that, you know, we're immediately getting our phone and we're closing ourselves in. And when we do that, we're going to maybe miss an opportunity to have a conversation, you know, with a person. And that's what Jesus is doing. (laughs) He's having a conversation with a person. And I think you're right on the money. On the surface, does it seem as if they have anything in common? Nothing in common. Really almost the the opposite Mm -hmm. of that. It's not about the things they don't have in common. It's in every way about the things they don't have in common. That's what dictates their relationship. But Jesus says, listen, we're here at a well. I'm thirsty. You're thirsty. Let's start to talk about that. And now, listen, conversation begins. Words start flying. He's talking. She's talking. And then in a masterful way, just like he did with Nicodemus, he takes that very spirit or physical beginning and ultimately takes her uh, to where she's talking to everybody she knows about who Jesus is. (laughs) Last week we talked about how with the conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus kind of led him down the path that he wanted him to go. He does the same thing with this woman here, and she has no idea what's what's about to happen. No. You know, no idea. She she doesn't. It's almost it's almost funny as you can see. It's like they're almost having two different conversations for a little while. Yeah, because she she doesn't see what's coming at all, and I think Jesus's patience with her is something that that I really take away as as a point of application for myself. <clears throat> He is so patient in the conversations that he has with people. You know, he doesn't walk up to this woman and say, hey, let me tell you who I am. Or, you know, he doesn't just go down the street and say, you know, obviously, you know, they didn't have the Bible in its cohesive form. He doesn't just walk down the street saying, hey, let me read the Bible to you. Yeah. I mean, people probably wouldn't respond well to that. People wouldn't respond well to that today. Right. But Jesus' patience with the people that he interacts with is unbelievable because he, the Son of God, knows all and yet he's willing to to walk through these conversations at the other person's pace leading them where he wants them to go in a very patient very kind way asking them leading questions answering their questions he's just so good at that and I think sometimes I I'm not good at being patient with people when it comes to spiritual conversations I want to jump right in you know, I want to just dive into the deep end of the pool and start spewing all this information at them. And maybe there's time for a time and place for that. But more often than not, the best approach is going to be the one that Jesus takes here, where you're patient and you allow someone to process the information that you're giving them a little bit at a time and allowing the conversation to move at their pace. It's this conversation here in John four is a remarkable conversation, and I think in a lot of ways, maybe even more so than John three with Nicodemus, it really is a picture of how conversations about spiritual things can happen today. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not sitting at a well, you know, yeah. getting water out. But right. I mean, it, it, to me, it is the exact way that a conversation can happen today when you begin talking about. Listen, you sit down and talk about the weather or you sit down and talk about, you know, someone's kids or you're sitting, you know, uh, you know, uh, waiting at the doctor's office. And, you know, wh- whatever the case may be, it, starting in such, you know, an, an inauspicious kind of place, 
that, you know, it's not very far from where Jesus is leading her, and he's, again, steering the conversation. But, you, you know, we'll, we'll get back into some of these specifics, but you get down to verse 25, where the woman, you know, is now, she's the one that's bringing the Messiah up. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's the one that's bringing up Jesus. I mean, she is from her own mind. She says, I, I know the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he's going to tell us all things. And, and now Jesus is then able to say in that next verse, well, that that's that's who I am. Mm-hmm. But he's able to steer this conversation in such a remarkable way with his patience. I think that is on full display here, where she's the one that brings up Jesus. She yeah. brings up the Messiah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, as you said, Jesus sitting down and saying, you won't guess who I am. I'm <laughs> Jesus. I'm the Christ. I mean, it, it's, you know, we would use the cliche of, you know, smacking someone in the head with the Bible mm-hmm. that we, we say, listen, this is the way I do it. This is the way I talk about Jesus. This is the way I communicate it. And you're either going to get it or you're not. We don't see that with Jesus. Yeah. He is going off of what they need, what Nicodemus needed in John 3 and the way he needed to get there. And what this woman needed here in John 4, not, not the way that this is the way I'm going to do it, and that's just, you know, sorry for you. No, no, no. He is working off what they need because the message is that important. It is that important. And, and as he begins this conversation after initially asking her for a drink and then her making that comment about, what do we, well, you don't have anything to do with us Samaritans, the response that he gives her there in verse number 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. He's introducing it. He's right. kind of opening the door because, again, the same thing that happened with Nicodemus. When he threw out this idea of being born again, I can only imagine Jesus in his mind thinking, she's not going to have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. You know, what, How is she going to respond to this? He, he's, he's just opening the door and allowing her to think this through. And again, just like Nicodemus, her mind immediately went to the physical side mm-hmm. of things. And naturally, her response was, you don't have anything to get water with. Why would, have I, why would I have asked you for water? You don't have anything to get water with. And, and so and she's still, she's thinking about this from a very physical standpoint. He's a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. There, you know, there's really no reason for him to be talking to me. And the, but that, just that initial question and her willingness to at least think about what he said it gives him an opportunity to then progress that conversation one step further. And that's where he goes in verse number 13, and, and he starts to get into more of the, the spiritual side of this conversation. But, but again, what we're seeing here is Jesus just taking advantage of, of, of any opportunity that he's given to move the conversation forward, even a little bit at a right. time. Just move it forward a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and allow her to think through this and process all this information. And again, that, that's, that's such a good, good lesson for us today. Sometimes, you know, we want to just step on that gas pedal a little too fast. Right. And in reality, it would be much better if we just allowed the other person to really think through this a little bit. And if we get an opportunity to move that conversation forward just an inch, we take it and allow them to think through it again. And that, that's the way you lead someone to, to ultimately what we're going to see here, which is a true deep belief in who Jesus is. But it's got to happen a little bit at a time. And I think even Jesus, if anybody was going to be impatient, you would think it would be Jesus because here's the guy who has all of the answers. But, but he, he's, he's so patient with these individuals and just takes every opportunity to, to progress forward just a little bit at a time and really lead this woman where he wants to go. Yeah, I mean, you see when he's talking about, you know, brings up that, you know, idea of living water. And then he even makes mention of the fact that, you know, listen, you're here at the well. You've got to come at the well all the time because you're thirsty all the time. But what if I were to tell you, hey, there's, there's water that you can drink 
that you would never have to draw again. You'd never have to be thirsty again. And now she's the one Mm -hmm. that, you know, asks for it. I mean, that's what happens there in verse 15, where, you you know, she's, I think, still not fully on board with the spiritual side of where Jesus is, but yet now she's fully engaged in the conversation. Mm-hmm. He has her fully engaged in the conversation, and he has her now asking for this living water. I, I'd, like, I'd like to have some of that. I, g- get me some of that water where I don't have to drink you know, anymore. And now she's fully engaged in the conversation. And that really, at that point, he begins to unveil a little bit about who he is. Mm-hmm. He hadn't talked about any of that. You know, we made mention at the very end of the conversation in 25 and 26. But to this point, Jesus, ha- he hasn't made mention of any of that. And not until she says, I'm interested in this living water where I don't have to, you know, to drink ever again. And when he kind of says, hey, go get your husband and bring him here. He, he does that knowing her situation. Mm-hmm. But that is his way of unva- beginning to unveil who he is. Yeah. Because now he's showcasing the knowledge that no one else would be able to have. But now she's fully engaged. And now he moves, as you made mention, he moves to the very next step. Mm-hmm. And he just continues to progress this conversation to exactly where she needs to be. I love how he kind of lays this framework before beginning that process of unveiling himself, as mm-hmm. you said. And I think that's really important because he's already planted some seeds in yeah. this woman's mind. And now he's going to begin to deepen the level of this conversation a little bit and really show her who he is, but only doing that after planting those seeds initially and get her thinking about all of this. And now he's going to challenge her, really, and really force her to begin to recognize who Jesus is. When he starts talking about, you know, go get your husband, and she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, well, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one who you now have is not your husband. And she, and I can only imagine at that point she's like, okay, what is going on here, you know? And and that's kind of what she says, sir. I perceive you're a prophet, yeah. you know. He, she's beginning to recognize, okay, this this guy's not just asking me for a drink of water, right? Like, there's something more going on here. But but again, that this particular moment in the conversation, I believe, is a lot more impactful to her because of what Jesus did in those first few interactions mm-hmm. that they had. Because it's already planted some seeds in her mind and gotten her thinking that there's something unusual about this guy. He, he, he's talking about some things that I'm beginning to question if he's really thirsty or not. And, and now all of a sudden, he, she begins to recognize, oh, this guy's a prophet or something. He's not just some, some Jew standing here looking for a drink of water. But again, we see that the impact of that moment in the conversation I think is made greater by the earlier parts of the conversation. Yeah, because what you see now is a conversation that began with a literal drink of water. I mean, that's where the conversation began. Just a literal, at a well, drink of water. And now you have a fully engaged spiritual conversation. She's the one that brings up worship. Mm-hmm. I mean, she now yep. it, it is it is a fully engaged yep. spiritual conversation now, one that began with a literal drink of water at a well. And now she is fully engaged. And that's the, the mastery of Jesus and his teaching, to be able to take it from that. Mm-hmm. He, he's the one that steered it that direction. That now you had someone, you know, that just you start with the drink of water. Now you've got a fully engaged spiritual conversation where, you know, sometimes you, you may mention that we're interested in, you know, p- you know, pushing the gas so quick sometimes. 
where we at the very outset were like, hey, you want to talk about spiritual things? Mm-hmm. You, you want to talk about the Bible? And, and we dive straight into that, and you know, people are, you know, may be taken aback. But now you have a spiritually engaged conversation that's taking place, and the water now is long gone. I mean, yeah. the drink of water yeah. is long <laughs> yeah. gone. She's the one bringing up worship, uh, and now Jesus is able even to step off of that, ultimately is where we made mention already, to talk about directly who he is, and, uh, and she's able to grab hold of it now. And you mentioned not only are, is she now bringing up worship, but then uh, you made mention of it already earlier in the conversation, when you get on verse 25, you know, she, she's even already talking about the Messiah now. Right. You know, the, the conversation, as you pointed out, has, has, has moved very quickly now, it started off kind of this slow progression, and now it's, it's moving very quickly and to the point where not only is she engaged, but she's now moving the conversation forward yeah. because she's now, she now has questions, and she now wants some more information, and she's trying to, to, seek, uh, to seek some answers to things. And then ultimately in verse number 26, Jesus just finally comes out and tells her, you know, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that you're talking about there. And, and you can only imagine, that, again, we talked about this last week with Nicodemus. The, the pieces of the puzzle just all come together in front of someone's eyes. And you can just see that happening with this yeah. woman. And I can only imagine, you know, as maybe some days went by and she reminisces on this conversation and thinks about, you know, this guy just came up and asked me for a drink of water. And the next thing I know, I'm talking to the Messiah and, you know, how yeah. all of this happened so quickly. But, but that's the beauty of someone coming to see the fullness of who Jesus is. And really, that's, that's what happened for this woman. And it's such a powerful thing. And, you know, as we get down further into the story, you know, she's now going to be the mouthpiece right. that's going and telling other people about this. And, and it goes to, t- I think one of the lessons that I've always taken away from this is as you think about the woman and how she then goes and takes the message to others, you know, while she had a clear understanding of who Jesus was, she wasn't going to be able to tell someone the complete story of Jesus and his purpose of coming to earth and how was, she didn't have all of that information. She just knew who Jesus was. Right. And that was enough. That was enough for her to go and tell other people about that. And, you know, when I think about, I think a lot of times we're hesitant maybe to do some of the outreach that, that we do for the reason that we're afraid we're going to get questions that we may not know the answers to. We're going to get put in situations where we're not sure what to do. And so it's just easier for us to to steer clear of that. And I think what this woman is showing us is that once you have a clear picture of who Jesus is, that's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. You, you go tell someone that. You know, let, let, let the Word do the rest of the work. Let Jesus do the rest of the work. You just go do that part of it. And if, if, we can, if we can get people to that point, if we can get to that point, man, that's, I think, where we're really going to see the power of the gospel take hold in this world. Without the direct words, it's another example of come and see that yeah. we saw in John chapter yeah. 1. Exactly right. You know, in John chapter 1, you had, you know, with his first disciples, it was a, hey, you just come and check it out scenario, like with Philip and Nathaniel. Hey, just, just come and see. And ultimately, I mean, even though we don't see those direct words, I mean, that's what's happening here. She goes into the city, you know, she says, you know, verse 39, you know, many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He, he told me all that I ever did. You, you got to come check him out. And that's what they did. Verse 40, when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. Mm-hmm. And because of that, verse 41, many more believed because of his own word. I mean, she's bringing them to Jesus 
But still, the key for this whole story for me is in verse 42, where it says that they said to the woman, we believe not because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Mm -hmm. That now their belief is on the level of, we believe for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We believe in Jesus because now we've been you know, introduced to him. But the whole key component to that was this woman saying, you've got to meet this guy. Mm -hmm. That's basically what she's yep. done. Yep. You've got to meet this guy. And, and you've made the point, and we've made the point already, sharing Jesus can happen the exact same way today. Mm -hmm. Now, we, we don't have physical Jesus that she had, but we, we have his word right mm -hmm. here, and it is the exact same way. You have to meet this guy. You've got to see him right here in this word because he's done incredible things for you. He's done incredible things for me, and I can tell you about those things, but he's done incredible things for you as well. You, you've got to come and see him. And that's what, and now we see this one conversation that begins with, you know, a, a, a drink of water at the well. And we're not even through a full chapter, and you have in verse 41, many more believed because of this interaction. And it, it's just. It's a remarkable thing to, to think about and consider as we go through this story. There, there's a point in this story that I've always found kind of comical. There in verse 27 and, and 28, really, where all of this is happening, and the disciples come back. They're, they're in like, the city what? looking for food. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> what, what's going on here? You know, why are you talking to this woman? And then she just leaves and runs off, and all of this is happening. And you almost get the impression that they're just kind of standing there, you know, they've got their bags of groceries in their hands, wondering what is going on. But, but I think what we're seeing here is still that, that moment of, wow, there's just, there's such power in the truth and in the, in the gospel of Jesus Christ that it really can happen that quickly. Where right. when somebody sees the truth in its fullness and, and believes Jesus, things happen so quickly for them. And the gospel can spread so quickly when people are zealous about it and excited about it. And and these disciples, who they hadn't done anything wrong, they just went to get food, and they come back and they're just like, "What? What's going on? What do we miss?" But but I think what that demonstrates to us is is just the power of the gospel and how quickly and significantly it can impact someone's life. And not just that, but then an entire community can be impacted by it in, in just that short period of time. And what were they gone for? Maybe an hour? I don't know. Right. I mean, not, not very long. You know, they weren't gone for very long. But when they came back, everything had changed. You know, their entire setting had changed, a place where they were probably just passing through, maybe even a little bit quietly because, you know, this was a group of Samaritans and they were Jews. And so, you know, they were probably not necessarily going to try and spend a whole lot of time there. But then everything changes just in, in that moment. And I think when we think about just the power of the gospel, this is a beautiful example of just how quickly and significantly it can impact one person's life, and then that one person's life can do the same thing for potentially an entire group of people. And, and that's why conversations like this has to take precedent in our life, mm -hmm. that we've got to take notice of those you know, opportunities. I mean, that's basically what Jesus makes mention of. They come back with the food, and, and they tell him in verse 31, hey, you know, you, you need to eat. Rabbi, you, you need to eat. And he says there in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Mm -hmm. This is, I, I've, I've, been, I've been doing what I need to be doing. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I need to be eating yeah. something, but I, I've done the. I've been doing the important work right here, yeah. 
And, and sometimes we, we've got to realize that. And when we can understand that, I think it opens our eyes to those opportunities. That I'm not just looking for the conv- what, you know, quote unquote, the convenient time to talk to others about spiritual things and to be thinking about it, things in that way. That needs to be the precedent of what I'm all about. And we yeah. certainly see that in Jesus, and we see that in other things. I mean, the Apostle Paul is a great example of that, as someone who is so focused on, you know, this is the precedent. This is what is important. And, you know, we see that throughout, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes. The entirety of the book of Ecclesiastes mm. yeah. is that point. Well, think about what's most important. And that's what Jesus is doing right here. And that's what he tries to teach his disciples. And I think they get the picture of that mm-hmm. because they see it. They stay yeah. there. They're not now passing through. They stay there multiple days. Yep. And now they're able to see the impact of, you know, they probably heard the story now. You know, during those two days that Jesus sat down with this woman and all of these things have unfolded. And now it's a powerful example of, uh, of sharing the gospel with yeah. someone else. We, I, we talked about before we, we started that kind of the last section of John chapter 4 sometimes gets overlooked. You know, this, this healing of the nobleman's son kind of gets overlooked because of how impactful the, or the earlier parts of chapter 4 are. But I think the end of this is, is pretty important because what we're seeing here is a little bit of a contrast from what we've seen in chapter 3 and chapter 4. When, when Jesus has this interaction with Nicodemus, when he has this interaction with the woman at the well, he's not performing miracles. No. He's not doing anything supernatural. He, he's talking to them and, and using some of the information that they already have and some of the questions that they have, and he's, he's, he's progressing that conversation along to teach them about who he is and leading them to a belief in him. Here at the end of John chapter 4, I think he's drawn a little bit of a contrast here between the people who are, who are able to do that. They're curious, they're searching, and, and because of that, they find the truth in Christ compared to those who are just looking for miracles. And that's the only reason that they're going to believe. That's the only thing that's going to right. cause them to believe. And I think there's, it's just an interesting contrast that he draws there. And I know we don't have much time to talk about that, but I think it's worth some study on that just to see how chapter 3 and chapter 4 differ in that regard, or the end of chapter 4 differ in that regard, where you go from someone who is who's truly searching and comes to an understanding of Jesus compared to someone who's looking for, looking for signs and miracles. We're going to wrap things up there because we are out of time. Um, but thanks again for your time this morning, and we will talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.